thread has helped several pro athletes, companies, organizations, and sports teams overcome their mental blocks, reach their peak potential, increase their performance, produce more results, and just have more fun in their life and business. Bring me the energy, all right? will determine what you have a business, a side hustle? Are you an entrepreneur or just someone looking to make more money using what you know or what you sell? Well, it all comes down to marketing. I'm super excited for this episode where we're going to teach you world-class marketing from the Nomadic Executive. Let's bring the show in. Welcome to the Success Code where Roy Red provides interviews, discussions, strategies, and talks to help broaden your perspective on your road to cracking the success code. Success code. Success code. Success code. Hi, everybody. It's Roy Red, five-time best-selling author, internationally recognized speaker, and your host of this show, The Success Code, where we give positive tactics, strategies, and interviews to help you crack your success code. Today, I am super excited. We have Omar Mo who is a world-class marketer. They call him the mo- nomadic executive, and he's going to teach us how to flat out bring in more leads, convert more leads to sales, and get more referring clients. And what does that mean? That means you're going to make more money, have a bigger impact, and live a better lifestyle. Omar, what's up, brother? What's up, Roy? Happy to have happy to be here, man. Happy to have you on here having this conversation. That was a heck of an intro. I love that. Thank you. You know, we got to bring the fireworks. Um, I love what you're doing. Uh, we just had a conversation on your podcast and it was just next level. I can't wait to ask you some questions and pick your brain uh, real quick for the couple of people who don't know who you are on here. Uh, what do you do? Who are you? And um just tell us about yourself. Cool. Well, my name's Omar, and I've had my own podcasting agency for about four years now, as well as my own podcast for about two. A labor of love, really. It's called The Nomadic Executive. Mm-hmm. I've been a digital marketer for about six years now, where we've helped multiple businesses scale to up that five to six figure range and then from six to seven figures. Mm-hmm. Um, I've traveled the world for about three and a half years, and I've done the whole digital nomad thing. Currently on a hiatus simply because of the pandemic, but do have plans to travel again in the next two to three months. Dope, dope. Where's your next destination? Where you want to go? Dubai. 
<laughs> and we were talking about that too, you know, and now you got me thinking about it. I might actually go out there just, just maybe fight some lions in the desert or something. Uh, but yeah. for the meantime, I'm actually eyeballing the two places. So one, I've got a friend up that's coming from Germany and she's going to go to uh, Milwaukee for, for college, for university for about two years or three years or something like that. Milwaukee up north. Okay. Yeah, I forget the school name exactly, but uh, it's close to Seattle where she's going to be going. And she's going to be there for a few years to do some sort of university exchange program. So I said I'd go stay oh. with her for maybe two, three months. Yeah. And then from there, I'm going to go to Mexico. So that's what I'm thinking. Okay, yeah. okay dope, man. Dope, man. Um, first, before we get into the juicy stuff, um, I start a side business. You know, I know I need to get online. I know I need to do the social media stuff. Um, but it's just so overwhelming. And I don't know where to start. Where can I hop on and jump into the game, get some skin in the game and start actually doing deals and making money, selling whatever that is right away, whether that's uh, I set up an e-commerce store or if I have a product I'm selling or if I decided, you know, I want to do this coaching stuff where I empower a woman or empower a man or motivate people, uh, where can people start and that will bear actual results in their business? So really, I, I think it's really, really dependent on the industry, right? So the approach that you're going to take to start with e-com versus coaching versus a service-based business like mine are, are different approaches. Yeah. But whatever approach you take, you should always be focusing on the business first instead of the branding. Yeah. I think too many people are caught up on, hey, I need 100,000 followers on social media platforms before I can even start getting a modicum of business. Yeah. right? And that's just the wrong mentality. You're not going to have the positive feedback loop coming in to actually get you to a point where you're even making any money in the first place if you're too focused on the wrong thing. So always focus on getting business first. Yeah. Now, with a service-based business, for example, you want to start off with some sort of cold outreach method. Yeah. Right. Uh, that can be LinkedIn automation, like we were speaking about earlier, emails, cold emails, uh, Instagram DMs. I mean, so many different forms of cold outreach. Uh, you probably don't have a budget at this point to run Facebook ads or, or even do it properly in any way where you can even outsource it. So just cold, simple outreach. Yeah. And, and that's a numbers game at the end of the day. Right. You reach out to 100 people. You find out how many of them respond. You find then how many of them convert into clients. And you just keep scaling that over and over again until you get some paying clients. Yeah. Uh, if you're doing an e-com business, you have a lower ticket product. So I would suggest going with Facebook ads, right? At a lower scale with with e-com businesses in general, one of the best ways that you can boost it to get it right off the ground, uh, whether it's drop shipping or your own white label product or anything, it's it's simple Facebook ads, right? That That's the name of the game. And that's how you can start slowly, start getting some scale sales, and then you can scale it until you become some... A little bit of a household name, not quite, but people start to get to know who you are. And then from there, you can start doing a branding play, building up credibility in other spaces, start a podcast, something along those lines. Yeah. And with coaching and consulting, I, th I think you would be the expert in that, Roy. But yeah. really, from my understanding, it's a positioning play there at first, right? Uh, you're trying to get some small business, maybe create a funnel for yourself, write a book, do something along those lines, a high ROI activities. And then from there a mix of cold outreach and scaling to where people start coming to you and start, you just start building up credibility that way. Yeah. So it's different approaches, but kind of the same underlying idea behind all of it. Yeah. Um, I read a book called um, 
um, actually, I forgot what it was called, but it explained the um, crossing the chasm is what it was called. But it explained the diffusion model in which people uh, enter in into a product at the innovator level, which they want to be the first to have the product. Those are the first people who bought the iPhone. And then after that, the early adopters look at the innovators and go, oh, they like this iPhone. Let me get it. And then the early majority, late majority, and then the laggards uh, buy later. And so um, um, how do we in digital marketing and starting out uh, initially with like Facebook ads, how do we introduce our product to the right people, um, whatever it is we're selling? And just to give an example, uh, I have a friend who wants to sell um, luxury dog leash chains um, as an e-commerce uh, thing uh, where she, you know, drop ships it or whatever, but she doesn't understand how to run ads um, so what's the basic way to go on and figure out how to run ads? And then what do you mean by scale um, um, from someone who's just starting out uh, e-commerce business? And then we'll get more into the sexy stuff later. Sure. So if you're talking specifically for Facebook ads, which is probably the number one play for an e-com business if you're just starting out. Mm -hmm and you don't know anything about Facebook ads and you've never even seen what a Facebook ad is in the first place, mm -hmm. is obviously to go learn what Facebook ads is first, mm -hmm. right? YouTube University is your friend. Yeah. Do as much research as you possibly can about all the functions, all the features of setting up Facebook ads, and you're going to fail quite often when you first start out. You're going to lose money just like everyone does when they first start out an e-com business trying to learn Facebook ads on their own pace. Yeah. Very rarely does it happen that you hit the right target at the right time. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is testing at first, A and B testing, mm -hmm. uh, but learn. Yeah. Once you learn how to actually run a Facebook ad, mm -hmm. then it's about targeting. Right. This is where you start testing out different audiences. You figure out, for example, a dog leash collar. Who's going to actually want to buy that? If it's a luxury dog leash collar, you're targeting a higher wealth income bracket mm -hmm. that owns dogs. Yeah. So you can. there are many different targeting options with Facebook ads. You can target by zip code. Uh, you can target pet lovers. You can target people that like specific pages about dogs. Yeah. Um, you can target pet show dog pages, right? That A lot of people like uh, that are in those pages probably be open to the idea of buying a luxury dog collar. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of reverse engineering to see who would be interested in the product that you're selling. Uh -huh. And then once you have the target down, and you've tested a few different targets at this point to see who really is interested in your product. Then you start testing another part, which is the yeah. copy. And you test different variants of mm -hmm. copies. So you maybe have two to three different variants of copy that you're then testing against each other. And mm -hmm. Facebook is really awesome with the fact that it allows for A-B testing and testing yeah. different variations. Yeah. So and even with these newer features, they're called dynamic ads, where you can literally put in seven different pieces of copy, seven different types of call to actions, and let Facebook's algorithm run tests on its own mm -hmm. and tell you which one's getting the most engagement, which one's getting less engagement. So once you find out what's getting the most engagement, what copy, what call to action, uh, what positioning, what graphic, what video, uh, what target audience, once you figure all that out, then it's just doubling down on what's working. Yeah. Right. So you, then you just start scaling ad sets and that's as simple as throwing money in. Right. And it, it's, it's kind of like a funnel. 
like take ClickFunnels, for example, and for anyone that's ever aware of what ClickFunnels are, essentially what it is is once you find out how much money does it take me to how much money do I make back in return, Facebook ads is the same way. It's a numbers game. Once you figure out what's the most ideal way of advertising your product, then you figure out, oh, okay, if I put in $2, then I'll get a ROAS of about $4 in return. So that's a two, two times ROAS. So that essentially means, hypothetically speaking, if I spend about 500 bucks, I should get 1000 back. Right. And you keep scaling that ad set and you make multiple different variations of that ad set and you keep scaling and scaling and scaling until that gets ad gets worn out. Yeah. And what usually happens in that sense is that a multiple people have seen that ad set and they're just like, oh, it just keeps popping up on my feed. It keeps popping up on my feed. I'm, I'm tired of this ad. And from there, you start seeing your ROAS going a little bit lower. Then you restart the process. But at least at that point, now you have money to actually start doing more and more. Yeah, yeah. That's huge. You're basically using Big Brother to your advantage. Um, real quick, let's welcome everyone who's on the live. Thank you guys for joining us live. We are talking to Omar Mo about world-class marketing. He's also known as the Nomadic Executive. Make sure you ask him questions. Jump in on the right side if you're on YouTube. That's below if you're on LinkedIn or Facebook. Make sure you share, comment, all of that good stuff. Because Omar is literally telling us how to make more money, how to have a bigger impact, and how to live a better lifestyle. So, Omar, we were talking about ads and Facebook ads and using that to scale. Um, how did you learn this? What inspired you to get into this? And you're really a master at it. Um, just talking to you, um, I can't wait to pick your brain more or possibly even hire you. Um, what inspired you and how did you learn all of this stuff? So uh, to clarify, uh, to learn Facebook ads, I did a lot of grinding. That's not my specialty though. My specialty is not Facebook ads by any means. And mm -hmm. at any chance that I get, I'd rather outsource my Facebook ads to people whose entire bread and butter, butter is Facebook ads. Yeah. me, I love the idea of marketing and sales psychology and where attention is. I love being on the cutting edge of everything and getting essentially, if you could boil it down to what one sentence, yeah. how can I get the highest ROI for the least amount of effort? Yeah. Whether that's in the form of attention or monetary gains or brand awareness or credibility, what is the highest ROI activities that I can do to get the most out of something with the least amount of effort? And that's what I focus on, right? Mm -hmm. And how did I start learning that? Well, really, it, I just kind of stumbled upon it, right? Yeah. So uh, it's about four or five years ago when I first started my traveling journey, uh, I went down this very uh, hedonistic path of just kind of throwing caution to the wind and doing whatever I wanted. And I didn't really know what direction I wanted to take my life. I, I thought to myself that I was some sort of artist or something at some point, right? Yeah. Um, and, and as hard as I tried to be an artist, I, it just never resonated with me. There was just something there that uh, I just got bored, yeah. you know? Uh, and I naturally found, stumbled into the world of marketing through an actual mentor of mine, who's probably the first mentor I've ever had, mm -hmm. that was a digital marketer, a kid. Kid was younger than me, a 24-year-old kid clearing 100K a month. And I was like, how is this kid doing this? You know, he's 24. Uh, he didn't go to college. He didn't do anything. Like he's just clearing 100K a month. And he was a genuine, nice guy, right? Yeah. Really great guy. Just focused on value. Picked his brain, learned a little bit about what he did. And he had a Facebook ads agency. Yeah. 
Um, so naturally I got curious, you know, I'm just like, he's winning in life right now. Like what, what is he doing? And I started researching all these different things. And I think I started with a drop shipping model all those years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized real quick that e-com wasn't what I enjoyed, yeah. but instead what I really, really enjoyed was the whole business side of everything, right? Scaling a business from the ground up, creating some sort of service-based business, managing people, creating systems, mm-hmm. putting systems in place, automating everything. That's what I really learned that I, that I really, really loved. Yeah. And, and then from there, it was a natural progression into social media, where's the tension. Uh, and really, I just dove into the world of marketing headfirst, and that took me where I am today. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. You know, there's a lot of these kids, you know, my friend, my boy Vance is the same way. These kids making 20000 a month. Uh, 19 to 24 and they're just killing the game with these agency agencies man that a lot of uh, people don't know about these kids and there's tons of them and they're all down there in influencer world in miami shooting content all day just making a ton of money uh, with beautiful girls around them all day so mm-hmm. you get um you're a master at finding cheap attention at scale um to say that in a easier way is attention to your product or business that isn't expensive, uh, where you can get a lot of eyeballs for cheap. What would you say is the most cutting edge way right now to do that, to get attention? Um, if I'm a frugalpreneur and got to figure out a way to just to jump off, get that attention so I can scale later. Okay. So this is a strategy that we've kind of refined over the past few months. And if you were to do one thing of anything right now Mm -hmm. that you can implement and bring all together, I would suggest this. What I would suggest, and this is going to sound a little bit complex, but creating a podcast like this, right? Where you and I are sitting down and you're live streaming it on multiple platforms, Mm -hmm. recording that uh, podcast while live streaming on multiple different platforms and also trying to do it on clubhouse as well mm-hmm. uh, integrating your instagram to clubhouse and then creating content from that recording however long it may be 30 minutes 45 minutes an hour even 20 minutes and repurposing that content in the 9 by 16 vertical video formats yeah. which you can then put on b-roll on top of maybe throw some music on there maybe throw some nice subtitles on there mm-hmm. um whatever way, just be creative with the nine by 16 vertical video formats between 15 to 60 seconds. And then repurpose that content and post it, distribute it across Instagram reels, TikTok, and YouTube shorts. Mm -hmm. If you take your pillar content, which is your podcast, your video podcast, create content from that live stream at multiple places, use it for leverage on Clubhouse, and then you post it on Instagram reels, TikTok, and YouTube shorts, you will massively grow your brand if you consistently do this for the next year. 365 a days of this, and I guarantee you that you will have thousands and thousands of followers on Instagram, that you'll be an authority figure on Clubhouse, that you will have assault, over 10,000 subscribers on YouTube, and you'll probably be in the 100,000 follower range on TikTok, guaranteed. And with those numbers right there, just one year of grinding, I mean, you're, it'll be easy to start getting credibility in multiple places and high figure, high figure clients and high ticket offers all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's where the underpriced attention is right now. That's so true. Um, and by repurposing content, uh, Omar just means taking the content, chunking it down 
and putting it on every single platform. Um, I know it seems overwhelming, but it's so easy if you know exactly what to do and what tools to use. Um, Omar's coming on this show. He just gave you 5,000, 10,000 worth of value in the last answer. He can take that two minute answer, take it and then post it on his Instagram, put it on TikTok, put it on TikTok, put it on Instagram Reels, make a YouTube video, put it on Clubhouse like I'm going to do when I repurpose this. I want it to be everywhere that eyeballs are, everywhere that ears are. And that's how you build an audience. You know, I tell uh, people all the time that I have an audience. Each episode gets about two to 3,000 listeners. That might not be just on YouTube. YouTube might get 30 to 100 watchers, but Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, LinkedIn, Facebook, Podbooker, Google, all of these things that we're using, Instagram, and then that's how you build that platform, that platform uh, maturity. Um, Omar, what are some tools that we can use to to do that, to repurpose content? Um, also, um, do you still believe in blogging? I know a lot of people tell me to take the transcripts and put it in the blog, um, but um, what are some tools we can use and how do you help your clients uh, do this process? So to address your second question first, I 100% still believe in blogging. Okay. I believe that podcasting is the new blogging, like Seth Godin says, but I still 100% believe in blogging, and I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. I really think at the end of the day, there are two main high ROI forms of content. Uh -huh. That's video and text, right? With text, especially with Google search engine, people are constantly coming onto your website. So you can post some information and for years after that. It can continue driving traffic back to your website. Uh -huh. And then YouTube, with its search engine capabilities and the kind of traffic that you're getting for your YouTube videos, a lot of your content on there can be evergreen as well and continue getting you subscribers and views for years on end after you've posted that content. Mm -hmm. Right. So those are the two highest ROI um, platforms or any, I guess, mediums of content that you can really put out there. So that's why I still believe 100% in blogging, right? You're always trying to build up your site because. Ultimately, at the bottom of that funnel, no matter where you're creating content, it's that, that platform that you're creating content for is always going to be top of funnel. But ultimately, you're trying to always drive people down to your email list. Yeah. Right. And, and that's really where all the magic happens, that email list. So whether whether you're getting that traffic from your website through text or you're getting you that traffic through YouTube from from videos, you're getting that traffic from Instagram through pictures, like it's all coming down back to your email list, right? So text is always going to be relevant no matter where you are. Yeah. Um, now, in terms of tools, what I always suggest the best tool for you to use, and it, it might sound a little bit uh, uh, off the beaten path and people might automatically have this response to what I'm about to say, like, oh, that's out of my budget, but mm -hmm. outsource. Yeah. I always say outsource because at the end of the day, your time is the most valuable thing that you have. Yeah. And outsourcing is a lot cheaper than you think. What, okay? Much cheaper than they think. Much cheaper. Right. Like, are you going to give them that jewel? Should I? They, they got to pay you for that, brother. They got to pay you for that. <laughs> I think I think it's a fantastic jewel to have at the end of the day, and I, you know exactly where I'm about to get with this. Then, yeah, you know, um, there there's the Philippines, 
Yeah. Some of the best people that you will hire are from the Philippines for a rate of like $3 to $4 an hour that will take all your content and repurpose it for you and distribute it for you. And all you get to do is a little bit of training. And and with that way, you have so much control over what's going on. Mm -hmm. And that's why I don't like tools like repurpose.io. They're they're creating content that's adding to the noise ratio rather than standing out. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you have a a nice VA or someone that you can bring onto your team for relatively cheap that can repurpose that content for you, Mm-hmm. Not only do you have more creative control on what's going on, but you can also stand out with your content. That's so true. Uh, my my VA uh, lives in the Philippines, and I pay her more than most, but it's still not expensive. She has her degree, bro. I don't even have my degree. She's she's smart. Like I'm a terrible speller. She catches my spellings all the time, and she just keeps me on track. And it's, she's been such a blessing. And then like um. One thing we do at business owners is we teach them to systemize uh, things that they're doing so that they don't have to work in their business or working on their business. And so I know how to get speaking gigs. Guess what? I can write a literally each step of what to do. And then I just have my VA do it. And then they're doing the just as good as me or better. And I don't have to be um, doing that. And I can spend my time doing other things that bring in actual revenue. Um, if you guys want to learn how to get a VA and vet one, reach out to me or Mo, and we'll teach you how to do that. It's really not that hard, but it's such a big thing. And uh, go ahead, uh, Omar. No, no, I'm just, I'm just agreeing with you. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just think like when we speak about that, I think it's inevitable, right? Everyone is going to learn about this sooner rather than later. Um, I mean, I'm seeing Facebook ads pop up every day. People saying hire a VA. Now they've even wrote books that funnel people in from the book to like video courses and entire courses and, and coaching sessions on how to hire a VA. And I'm thinking to myself, like, it's not that hard. How did they create a whole funnel around this? Yeah. Yeah. I have a a buddy who has a million dollar business connecting entrepreneurs with VAs and he charges more, probably double and then he just keeps the spread in there. And I was just like, gosh, like, I guess it's smart, but eventually the uh, it'll get out. Let's uh, reset the podcast real quick. Right now, I am talking to Omar Mo. We are talking world-class marketing. Uh, he's known as the nomadic executive, just next-level marketing tactics, psychology behind it. We're going to dive into some more psychology. We got uh, Teresa, while you were speaking Uh, jumped in on the chat and she said, wow, great information to know. I needed to hear this today. She runs a a lymphatic, uh, a lymph business where they help people detox using the lymph system, which she's just pure amazing. Uh, She's actually in Dallas, so not too far from you. Interesting. Needs to, she could take her, obviously we could all grow her business, but, uh, Taking businesses like that online. Let's talk about that, Omar. Sure. How, how do do you take brick and mortar businesses online? How do you help brick and mortar businesses make more money and have a bigger impact? So the great thing about brick and mortar businesses is if they're still open, they're still making money, mm-hmm. right? Uh, 
And anyone that's starting a brick and mortar business today probably already has some proven business model, some customers coming in. Uh, what, and a lot of these business owners that are actually trying to go online have probably been around for ages and just don't know what direction they want to take it. They probably come from the older generations um, or they're just, and not to call anybody old or anything, but they just, um, they haven't dev- dived into the whole digital side of things. I mean, it's still all relatively new, right? Yeah. So really, when it comes down to taking these businesses online, it becomes much more of a branding play mm-hmm. than it does of a scaling play at first, uh, right? You're not you're not trying to get them business right away because they already probably have an established lead gen source. They probably already have paying customers. And really what they're trying to do at first is just trying to break in to the digital space. Yeah. So at that, So when you try to take brick and mortar businesses online, you're trying to get them on as many platforms at uh, as possible at first. Yeah. You're trying to nail down where their key target audience is at first and then try to find out exactly what platforms they're on and start creating content for those platforms. Yeah. So that's where the branding first comes in. You're, you're creating all this content at scale for these businesses. And once they've built up a little bit of traction through the content that you're creating for them, that's when they can start diving into digital lead gen sources like cold email, um, like LinkedIn automation, mm-hmm. like creating content that drives leads to, the, leads to them, mm-hmm. um, uh, running Facebook ads for these businesses. That's when you start really taking all these businesses digital, right? And I think these these digital sources can really be applied to any brick and mortar business model, right? So like she runs a lymph node or a lymphatic business. Is that right? Yes. And what is she a doctor? Is Teresa a doctor of some kind? What does she do exactly? Uh, yeah. So for, for a doctor that's trying to get more leads for their business, mm-hmm. something that I've been seeing doctors do a lot lately is starting to create a niche around what they're best at. Like for example, for her, the limp system on YouTube or TikTok, where a lot of the underpriced attention is, yeah. and once they've built some sort of, uh, authority figure status in that space, whether it's, and it doesn't need to be anything big. It needs to be a few hundred people that are watching you and it doesn't take long to build that up. Mm-hmm. to then start running retargeting ads to the people that are watching your content mm-hmm. to then push out your content more to see who's really interested in it. And then once you find out who's engaging with your ads, mm-hmm. you reach out to them, try to hop on an interview and seeing what your LTV is. If it's a really high LTV, then you yeah. can convert them from a call to a client quite easily. Yeah. Yeah. What Omar is explaining is you can put videos out on Facebook, Instagram, and then Facebook and Instagram, TikTok, some of these platforms, they actually tell you, who's watching your videos and how much they're watching. And it's just super smart that if you put a video on Facebook and you have 20 people who watch a full video, uh, she said lymphatic specialist. Um, right. But if you put out um, a, if you, if someone watches your full video, you know that they're highly engaged, super interested they're being educated. Cause what do we do before we make a buying decision? Like I'm doing a, the hardest um, uh, day hike soon. And, and doing that highest day hike, I wanted to buy some trekking poles and some snow boots. And I literally YouTube 10 videos on snow boots and just getting educated on it. And before we make a de- buying decision, we're always getting super educated on that buying decisions so if they're watching your stuff they're probably want to buy you just got to get them 
to then raise their hand or you got to reach out strategically. And so um, I really love how you're taking what I'm saying and just making it more beginner level friendly because uh -huh. I definitely have a difficult time sometimes uh -huh. not getting too deep into the marketing jargon of things yeah. and trying to trying to make it understandable for people like so they can actually understand it, yeah. you know, so and then it's a good audience is like beginning entrepreneurs. So that's you're doing good. Um, because they got to learn the the language, right? They got to learn the market. Right. And if they're serious and take it yeah. to that level. Um, maybe, maybe, let, let me try rephrasing what I said in like some simple terms here. Then. Yeah. Right. So let's say you have a customer, right, Teresa? Uh, and if you're a lymphatic specialist, I'm guessing quite a few people, of, quite a few of your customers are paying a good amount of money for your services because you're a specialist. And not only that, you're a specialist with something that has to do with the body. Mm -hmm. Now, let's say one of your customers on average, LTV basically means lifetime value of a customer. If that customer on average spends about, let's say $10,000 with you with during the duration of how long they're with you, that's customer spends $10,000, then that means each customer is worth that much to you. So if you're putting out content out there on platforms like TikTok, which is this new video sharing platform on, con on Instagram, and they came out with this new feature called Reels, which is the same uh, vertical video that you see on TikTok and putting that content out there on YouTube Shorts, which is another feature that YouTube put out there that has that nine by 16 vertical video. If you put that content out there on those three platforms and see who's hitting, who's looking at your videos, and you can see this in your notifications, and then you reach out to those people that you see that constantly check out or watch your videos or constantly like your videos or constantly engage with what you're putting out there in the world, and you reach out to them and, hey, how can I help you? And hop on a call with them. Those rates of you turning them into your customers to pay you for your services goes dramatically higher than if you were just reaching out to people and maybe throwing ads out there on paper or something like that to try to get customers, whatever way you were doing before, whatever non-digital way that you were doing this before. So it becomes much easier to get customers at scale if you're reaching out to them in a way that they're already qualified or they're already used to the content that you're putting out there before you reach out to them. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. You're, uh, you know that they're pre-qualified, pre-motivated and predisposed to now want to work with you. Uh, tell, talk to me more about that LTV thing because a lot of people... And this took me a long time to realize that, you know, I wanted to charge people money just straight off back and never realizing that this is a relationship over the course of the next six months to a year, they might spend money with me later. But a lot of times they don't trust me to deliver that I could fix their problem. And the way to show someone that you can help them is by actually helping them. And so what's some things you put in place? so that you can maximize that LTV, that lifetime uh, value to where you're offering them your services, but in a cool way, so that way you're not pushy and salesy. Definitely. And I think you're a legend with this too, Roy. So I'm going to try to give value where I know where I can. Uh, so a couple of things that I implement into my own business. 
number one, a risk reverse reversal offer. So what that basically means is that I carve out something saying along the lines of, hey, if you aren't at least guaranteed a specific set of results by the end of the time that you're working with me, then I'll pay you back all the money that you paid me. Or or I'll continue working with you until for free until you reach those results. So already in that person's mind, they're thinking, oh, what do I have to lose? I'm going to make money out of this either way. It's a win-win for them. Mm -hmm. So that's a risk reversal offer. And I strongly believe that every business model can incorporate it into their business in one way or another. Yeah. Number two, upsells and downsells, right? So upselling basically means, let's say I have my main core offer, right? So for example, taking back Teresa's example of a lymphatic specialist, your core offer might be um, go a checkup, let's say, right? You check up someone's lymph nodes. Now, I'm not sure exactly how deep it goes in what a lymphatic specialist is, nor am I going to pretend to know, but I, I do know for sure it has something to do with the lymph nodes. And let's say your core offer is a checkup, right? And let's say that checkup costs around $500, and that customer gives you $500 and you check their lymph nodes and you make sure everything's good and, and that's it. Now, you can either stop there and let them go on their merry way and never speak to them again. And then all your LTV, your lifetime value of that customer is only $500. Or after they've built that $500, um, after you've done that $500 checkup, you offer something at the end of that that costs even more than that $500, which is where the concept of what it's called a value ladder starts, which you can see as like an upside down pyramid, right? And at the bottom of the pyramid is your lowest cost offer. And then next up is a higher cost offer. And then next up is a higher cost offer. And if someone came to you, a lymphatic specialist, wanting your service because they trusted you enough to actually purchase that service from you, they most likely would rather would get more value from you for a higher cost as well, mm-hmm. right? So if a hundred people came up to you for that checkup for $500, maybe 50% of those people are going to pay for something even more from you because now they trust you, yes. right? So you could, instead of a $500 offer, your next step up on that value ladder could be something like a thousand dollar coaching session on how to keep your lymph nodes healthy. Mm-hmm. And that's the next step up. And maybe you'll find 50 people pay for that. And that's the way psychology works in people, right? They want they once they trust somebody, they'll get more things from that person. Mm-hmm. You could have no following in the world, but if you have one person that trusts you, that person will purchase from you rather than somebody they've never heard of. Yes. Okay. Uh, that, so that's an upsell. Your upsell could be that thousand dollar thing. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say on the flip side of it, where you offered somebody to, hey, this five hundred dollar. Um, checkup, and they're very, very close to pushing the the button on it and actually buying it from you, but then they don't, right? And maybe it's a cost issue. Maybe they don't trust you enough to to pay $500 for it quite yet. So what you can do then is a downsell. And essentially what you do instead is say, okay, I understand if you don't want to do the checkup, but look, I, I I, I really care about your your lymphatic system. And I know this can really help you out. Instead, let me do this. Um, here's a $25 book and I'll I'll give this to you for like 15 bucks. And I I just really think it's going to help you out. So that could be a downsell. Another way that speaking to Roy, actually on my podcast, something interesting that he does is if they decide to say no to your checkup, then instead you give them something for free and bring them into your email list where you then later on push out content to them. That's valuable. That makes them trust you more. 
And then once they trust you more, you either go again for that $500 checkup offer or you offer them something a little bit lower, maybe like a a $100 something or like $50 something. You'll naturally be able to tell what the best offers are for your business. But I'm just giving you an example with the lymphatic specialist. So upsells, downsells. Um, And then final thing that comes to mind for me for increasing that LTV is just like you said, building that relationship. Yeah. Right. So in, a retainer works incredibly well for this. Yes. So instead of trying to get like an upfront payment of 3000 or 5000 or however you charge, mm-hmm. doing something along the lines of, hey, work with me for 10 months uh, and I'll just and you know what? I'm not going to even keep you in contract. You can leave when you want. And for the first month, you pay me an upfront cost of maybe five grand. And then each month after that, you pay me a grand or two grand each or something. And you keep working with them that way. And once they see that ROI coming in from month one, they're going to want to stay with you. Yeah. That return of investment. And especially uh, what, you know, what she does, people feel better. They literally get healthier. It's, it's huge. And in my opinion, it's the most uh, vital thing in health. But that value ladder is huge. And what's cool about the value ladder is if you just help them and they don't pay, then the help you're giving them, when they apply it, it helps them to where then they can work with you later. And since what I'm teaching might help them make more money, maybe they can't afford. I had a kid named Montes who couldn't afford anything. He's from Baltimore. He's from like the hood, but he wants to motivate. He wants to tell his story and so i just gave him free content you know brought him into my funnel he couldn't pay for the course or anything he took it um did something i said which made him i think 400 bucks then he took that 400 bucks and then paid for my podcasting course so smart guy he right but he wouldn't have been able to apply anything and that's why a lot of times we should give value that we could have charged for, um, and that's huge. Um, in the content creating, I just want to touch on this before we move on. Um, sure. Let's reset real quick. Right now, we're talking world-class marketing with Omar Mo, the nomadic executive. Uh, jump into chat on the right side if you're on YouTube. That's below if you're on LinkedIn or Facebook and ask questions or comment. Uh, we got Teresa in the building. We got... Well, we got my VA. We got um, Tiffany in the building. Hey, Tiff. Um, so how can they create content that resonates? How can they go about thinking about uh, what content to make so that people um, watch it, they learn from it, and it actually moves them up that value ladder? So in order to f- create content that really, really resonates with the audience that you have, and this is, even if you don't have an audience built up yet, this applies to find an audience in the first place. Mm-hmm. So look at it two ways. One, you're putting out content out there that you like creating and seeing who resonates with you there mm-hmm. and then working with those people. Or already having an audience and putting out content that resonates with the audience and doing it for them. Right. So one is more you centric and one is more audience centric. And I think the best marketers or best businesses do a healthy mix of both. Because if you start focusing too much on creating content for the other person and not focusing on yourself, you're going to get bored of what you're creating. You might even start hating what you're creating. 
And creating too much content that's too focused on yourself, you start fo- you stop losing focus on what's important at the end of the day, which is giving value to the person who's actually consuming your content. So taking both a people-centric as well as a self-centric approach is the best way. Now, to find out what actually resonates with your audience, Mm -hmm. you can't read someone's mind completely. So what you have to do is a lot of testing and research, right? And it's not as boring as it sounds. Some things that you can start implementing right away is finding people from your audience that you can sit down and have a one-on-one conversation with and really, really pick their brain. So for example, I have a podcast and anytime someone reaches out to me and said, hey, I really, really resonate with that episode, I take the time out of my day to book them on a call to really just sit down and pick their brain. I want to learn as much as I can about them because that person is my ideal customer avatar. That person is the one that resonates with what I'm putting out there the most. So I want to learn as much as I can about them because now I have a name and a face to put on that category of person, Yeah. right? There are many other people like him that are probably listening to my content as well. They just haven't reached out to me yet. So I try to learn as much as I can about that person. Now, once you've learned about what your ideal persona is, what your ideal customer is, Mm -hmm. then you start putting out there formats of content out there and seeing what resonates through simple metrics like engagement, Uh, watch time, looking at the analytics of stuff, right? And every single platform has analytics. YouTube has watched incredible analytics, watch time, seeing where they dropped off, seeing what they stayed on. You can get so granular on seeing, oh, this person stopped watching my video after 55 seconds. What is it about the first 55 seconds that kept them on? With Instagram, you can look down on analytics. I I suggest for you to get a business profile, which is free to do, is very easy to do, but you get an extra set of analytics to see what is the most liked post. How long did someone watch this video? How many plays does this video have? Mm -hmm. And essentially, it's just about a little bit of research and it never takes that long. It's about putting as much content as you can out there for the first like three months or so, finding what resonates with your audience the most, finding what's getting the most engagement, and then just doubling down on those formats, just doubling down on those formats, right? Um, To give you some context here, and this is the most absurd, most extremist example that I can give of this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Every day on TikTok, you see a video go viral for the most ridiculous reasons, Mm -hmm. right? I think the other day I saw a video go viral for um, some guy who, who was dressing up in famous restaurant outfits, like Papa John outfits and Domino's outfits and stuff. Yeah. And he would just do skits in these outfits, just ridiculous skits uh-huh. of, of like Papa John versus Domino's or McDonald's versus Burger King, right? Mm-hmm. And he just put out one video out there and that was his first viral video that went. So he thought automatically in his head, okay, this is what resonates with my audience. Yeah. And now his entire page is just full of skits with restaurants versus restaurants. Mm-hmm. And he's built an entire following around that, mm-hmm. right? So once you see something hit, you know, okay, you make a note of it in your mind. That's what really resonates. I need to double down and do more of that. And that applies to any platform that you're on. Yeah, that's huge, man. That's value. That's value right there. Um, it's crazy. So a lot of people, I wasn't sure about the value of TikTok and my assistant, Tiffany, we love you. Look, let's bring Tiffany on here. Um, she was like, you got to do TikTok. And I was like, I'm not doing TikTok. Like, and then I finally started an account, got on there and I saw like little girls in there. I was like, I cannot do this. Got off, then got back on and started posting some content. 
And there was, and you missed out on this, and it's so easy to go viral, or not easy, but it's easier to go viral on TikTok. But there was like this thing that if you put this certain song on any video, that it would go viral. And all these people were doing these videos. I was noticing scrolling through uh, that uh, it was like proof that TikTok is broken. You can post <laughs> anything and put this vi- this song on and it goes viral. And it was like people who were like, and then they put the song on and they had like a million views. And I was like, yo, they're joking. They just have a bunch of followers. <laughs> I did it and got like 30,000 views on the video. I was like, yo, like there's certain things that if you just engage and actually learn and put it out there, uh, TikTok is really dope. Also, Instagram Reels, when that gets so much more engagement than post when it first came out, I was like, yo, I'm not getting engagement. I have 16,000 followers, only 100 likes. Then I did Reels, and then boom, it started to pick up because mm-hmm. the Reels and just learning the algorithms and just you know working the game. And at the end of the day, uh, when you knock at the door of opportunity, which social media is an opportunity, don't be surprised when it's work that answers the door. You've got to put in the work, create the content. And if you love it, you won't mind putting it in. Um, uh, I, I think it's so easy for like people that are just starting out to get overwhelmed mm-hmm. too. It, it's a thing that I hear all the time. And if I was to recommend anything to your audience here, if you're going to start just pick one platform if you've never done this before just pick one platform uh, ideally one that's getting a lot of free organic traffic like the ones that we mentioned mm-hmm. and just start putting in work for that specific platform and that's all that's that's your start there yeah. the biggest best piece of advice that i ever got was indirectly from gary v create content and, and it doesn't matter what the medium is or what it is it's going to evolve into something because it just becomes a learning journey at that point and you just keep learning and keep learning and something grows something beautiful grows out of it yeah. every single time and then when you're creating content you love, it gives you energy. I was saying, um, you were saying how before we hopped on, you were a little annoyed. You know, I was a little tired. But then we connected and was having a conversation at a level that just gave us both energy because we love talking um, and creating and co-creating about uh, this stuff. And so when you start actually walking in your purpose, it gives you energy anyway. Mm-hmm. You can work your 95, get home, eat. And you won't mind creating content because you love it, you know? That's right. Mm-hmm. That's it. All right. You got to find what you, you, find what you love. All right. We're going to go into the red zone. And the red zone is when I ask five quick questions um, uh, that I find is usually hard for people like us to answer. Are you ready, brother? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, Omar, what's your favorite book and why? (laughs) Tough question right from the start. Dang. Um, Okay, so the books are always changing, right? Yeah. It's always changing. But so far, I would say the best book that I've read uh, from 2020 as well um, and it's, it was a cryptic book that I had to read more than once to really get the hang of it or to really understand it. But it's The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Um, I hate that book. I'll tell you why, but keep going. Why? Well, for me, it was simply because uh, the present, 
You know, it, it's an underlying idea that I've always known. Yeah. And as someone that always fought with spirituality on my mm -hmm. own end, yeah. it gave me an outlet to kind of point my spirituality towards. Yeah. You know, like there aren't that many things that get in the way in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I face a ton of adversity just like anybody. Right. But spirituality was the one thing that I was just never able to nail down or find a solution for. And that book helped me figure that solution out. Yeah. That's now, why do you hate the book? Because you can't conceptualize the now moment whatsoever. Uh, the brain and concept, they live in the past or in the future. And so literally that book is talking about something that can't be talked about. It, it makes it hard because when you're rooted in the now moment, it's nothingness. Because, um, and I actually give this example when I, when I speak. I gave it at the National Head Start Conference. If you Google Roy Red, stress is not the culprit. I give this example, but I explain how all experiences happen in the now moment, right? Um, so I tell people, okay, tell me what you're experiencing now. And I tell them, give me five, to take five seconds. And then I go, okay, what were you experiencing? And then they'll say, I'll say, think to yourself what you're experiencing. And then I, I let them know, like, you're wrong. You didn't tell yourself what you're experiencing because it's not what you're experiencing. It's what you were experiencing a moment ago. Because by the time you told yourself what you're experiencing, it's a past experience, right? And I was like, it gets, it gets worse than that. It wasn't even a past experience because the past experience no longer exists and is experienced. It's in the past. So literally, you're creating your experiences with what you say about the now moment. But when you're deeply rooted in the now moment, can't even talk about it. It's nothing. It's just, it just is. You you can't even talk. It's just silence, you know. And so. Yeah. And, and you people like you and I are incredibly ambitious, right? And when, when we're in that silent space, it almost feels like a dead zone. Yeah. Uh, but I think people as passionate as we are who can get really, really caught up in our own businesses and stuff. I, I, I sometimes need that moment of complete dead silence of nothing circulating anywhere when nothing matters. And I think that book really helped me get that escape, which, which is why I enjoyed it so much. Mm -hmm. That blank billboard question you asked me, that's how I explain the now moment. It's blank. And then you get to, you get to create on it, whatever you want. I get that. And I, I totally understand your answer, too. I, I like the fact that it was so different from everybody else's. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. Would you rather be loved or respected? Anyway. Oof. I think they're, they're both the same thing. You know, that's the way that I'm going to answer that. I really think in order to be loved, you've got to be respected. Thanks. And, and, and you won't be loved if you're not. I think you can be. I think res respect is a prerequisite to love. You can be respect and feared, respect and hated, yeah. but you can't be loved without being respected. Yeah, that's huge. That's super huge. Yeah. I read a quote, and I hope I don't mess it up. It says, uh, respect uh, replaces the spaces where love should be. And that's kind of that same idea, but just explaining it different. But um, that's clutch, man. Mm. What's your favorite quote that you live by? I've got a few. Uh, there's two. I'll, I'll give. Uh, so I have a sad kind of almost nihilistic quote. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I have a favorite quote that I always live by. And I'm going to get tattooed on me at some point. Uh -huh. 
So I'll start off with a nihilistic one. Uh Um, There's no rest for me in this world, perhaps in the next. And I got that one from, um, uh, what's that show? Peaky Blinders. That's so true. Great show. There's no rest for me in this world, perhaps in the next. Um, So there's that. And then the other quote that I live by is, don't die without a few scars. And that's, that one's from Fight Club. And that's been a quote that I've lived by for a long time. Yo, um, in this life, there's no rest, but maybe in the next. That reminds me of uh, uh, Albert Camus' quote. He said, um, the only philosophical question worth contemplating is suicide. And what he meant by that was exactly what your quote was. He's saying, the, the you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice of action while you're alive. Rather, that's relaxed. There's no nothingness. You have to be doing something or suicide. Um, that's it. Which we don't even know if there's rest on that other end or not. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> we'll find out one way or another, though, that's for sure. <laughs> um, if you could spend 24 hours with one person who's ever lived in history, who would it be and why? Damn. Oh, that's a tough one, man. Um, with one person who's ever lived in history. Are these shotgun answers? Do I have to say them off the top of my head or do I get something to think? answer them however you want. Mine changes all the time. Sometimes it's Jesus. Sometimes it's Hitler. Sometimes it's King Tut. It depends, mm. it depends on what I'm studying at that time. True. Uh, if I Alexander the Great, probably. Alexander the Great. Yeah, he was a conqueror, and he lived a very hedonistic life. Mm-hmm. And both both things that I would I really enjoy, uh, or would want to model my life after. So, um, so yeah, Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great. Omar the Great. All right, last question, brother. <laughs> what does success mean to you? Happiness, man. Happiness. Happiness and contentment, really. That, that's really what it is. Like, why, why else are we doing anything? Like, why do you want to be miserable with a billion dollars? That's true. Uh, are, are you energized by what's what you're doing every day? Like, are you happy? Like, that's what really matters. Yo, yo, great friggin'. Thanks for coming on, man. This was awesome. Um, let everybody know where they can find you, how they can work with you, how they can follow you. I have your Instagram name underneath you here. Uh, so they Without the E. So there's no E after A. Okay. And... And you can find me also on the Nomadic Executive Podcast. So that is a podcast. So if you're interested at all in taking your business digital... Or if you're interested at all in online business um, or even in travel, because what my podcast is about is um, the intersection between travel and online business, you can find me at The Nomadic Executive or you can find me at Nomadables on Instagram. And then I'm also on LinkedIn and all these other platforms, so you're bound to find me on one of those. Boom. I got it. Is that better? Nomadables. That's it right there. Bam. All right, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, Man, dude, we got to collab. We're going to probably do some stuff on Clubhouse, do more. Um, Thank you for everyone who joined live. I hope you enjoyed 
this as much as we enjoyed making it for you. Um, just to give a quick story, I remember being at a seminar and the person leading the seminar uh, pointed out a 17-year-old kid who was worth over a million dollars doing the stuff that he taught. And we went to lunch break and I was the only person who reached out to the kid to ask him what he did. And the seminar, the guy running the seminar was like, I literally just told a thousand of you that the kid made a million dollars and only one of you went to talk to him. You guys really don't want to do this stuff that you say you're here to do. And so I give you that story because if you want to take it to another level, Omar is open, DM him, reach out to him if you really want to go to that level. Again, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed making it for you. Till next time, always remember to be your authentic self. Peace. Betty, welcome to the Success Code, where Roy Red provides interviews, discussions, strategies, and talks to help broaden your perspective on your road to cracking the Success Code. Success Code. Success code.